All right. Welcome to the Eli Kavan Podcast. Today, I'm joined uh, by Mackenzie Newfield, who's going to talk about a book that she wrote. So, Mackenzie, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about what you're um, going to do in the upcoming year? Sure. Um, I'm Mackenzie Newfield, and I'm a first-year university student at the University of Alberta studying philosophy. And I was originally in physics, but I recently made the switch to philosophy. And I just wrote and published my first book titled From Physics to Faith. Yeah, so what inspired you to write this book? And um, maybe talk about how long it took you to write it or how long you spent writing it. Yeah, um, actually, I originally started writing it when I was 16 and in grade 11. And the only reason why I started writing was to share my ideas, like my physics ideas, with my high school teacher. Um, my biology teacher, actually, funny enough. Um, so I started writing and I realized I had so much to write. It was just theory upon theory. Like I came up with them every night before I went to bed and I wrote them down. And then the next morning I went to my teacher and I, I let her read them. And I just kept doing that for actually two years. And then I'm 18 now. And I realized I had a full book <laughs> and I decided to publish it. Wow. So it was really just kind of, you know, day by day or week by week, you kind of built up these chapters by writing down your ideas at night before you went to bed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So before you even talk about what the book's about, you know, how hard was it to write it? And, it, and by the sounds of it, it's, it wasn't that um, hard if you did it, you know, piece by piece and yeah. kind of any advice uh, to people who want to try to, to do that? Um, For me, it wasn't, too hard like you said I wrote it piece by piece it wasn't sort of sit down and write the whole thing at once Mm -hmm. um and I think my advice would be um just write like don't try to think so hard about being perfect when you write because I noticed when I tried to be perfect and grammatically correct and like um sounding professional Mm -hmm. I realized I couldn't get my ideas out as easily and that sort of was the source of writer's block so I think for, that's my advice, I guess, for anyone wanting to write a book is just don't be hard on yourself. Just yeah. like let everything out naturally. And that's what the editing's for too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So is there anything you would redo if you uh, could try it again that might, you know, make the book come out faster or give you less blockage in terms of like writer's block? Um, there's actually a period in between 16 and 18 years old where I stopped writing for like eight months. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was I was trying so hard to be perfect when I wrote that I stopped writing because it was so stressful for me. Yeah. Um. So I didn't write for such a long time, and that kind of made me upset because I had so much to share. But I like my brain was telling me to be perfect when I obviously didn't need to be, mm-hmm. and I guess that was the one thing I would I would try to go back in time and tell myself that it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay to be messy like that's being that's part of being human and I guess that's what I would change yeah I think like you know something I often think about is how um you know it's it's not often that people kind of relate the you know things that take your mind and things that things that take a lot of thinking that they actually require a lot of confidence like I often relate kind of like physics and and school to sports like, if you don't have that confidence, it makes it really hard to um, try hard and to do your best. So, you know, like you said, 
that that kind of slows you down. So you need that confidence to to make sure that you keep writing. Okay, yeah. let's let's get into what the book's about, and uh, so give it you know kind of a summary and and what were your favorite kind of chapters and and highlights of it. Okay. Um. Actually, the book was originally called Physics and Philosophy from a Sixteen-Year-Old, and it offered purely a philosophical, I guess, interpretation of our universe from quantum physics, string theory, to the Big Bang. And it was all purely like a creative thought experiment. So it wasn't physics in the sense that it was mathematically provable. It was more so just a creative painting that I always, I always tried to put together and just, I guess, rationalize and creatively creatively put together Mm -hmm. um and then when I I got to university I um I stayed at a Catholic residence and um I had a campus minister who I look up to very highly and she sort of inspired me to find my faith which I sort of found linked to my physics and my philosophy and that's why I I decided to call the book From Physics to Faith to show how, although they may seem on totally opposite sides of the spectrum, mm-hmm. faith and physics are sort of intertwined in a sense. And that's what I that's what I try to showcase in my book. Yeah. Like, I, I think um, sometimes science can get a little bit elitist. And um, mm-hmm. you forget that people like uh, Mendel or Lemaitre, Lemaitre was uh, someone who came up with the it was like the Freeman Walker um, yeah. Robertson Lemaitre metric that describes basically the universe as we know it today, like, like a homogeneous isotropic universe. And they were, they're both ministers and great scientists. So, you know, just yeah. because you, just because you believe in God, doesn't mean uh, you can't uh, put out some great science. What, exactly. what about your, your favorite chapters? What were some of the ones that really you thought were like uh, special chapters? My favorite to write was when I started writing about string theory mm-hmm. and my theory, my own personal theory surrounding string theory. I never knew mm-hmm. much about actual string theory or M theory or all those. I just sort of, I thought of the concept of strings and that's all. And I decided to just go from there and create this theory that tied into the Big Bang and all that. Mm-hmm. And very, very philosophical. Um, I don't claim it to represent reality in any way. It's just mm-hmm. a thought experiment that was really fun to put together and rationally it would make sense mm-hmm. so that for me was the most fun to write mm-hmm. talk about maybe uh like what's your experience with physics like i know you lean more to the philosophy side but like physics and philosophy how um how have they related for you and kind of you know maybe when you're talking about this talk about your experience at the issyp the international uh summer student something program young physics program um, yeah. Because I know, like, you know, PI is great for having, like, philosophy of physics courses, which are kind of hard to, to find in a lot of uh, universities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I originally, I unknowingly conflated physics and philosophy. I never <laughs> distinguished the two. Like, for me, physics and philosophy were always one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got to university where I realized they in in academia academia they they are separate yeah and for me I never really realized that so I never really realized what I wanted to go into whether that be physics or philosophy until now um 
But for me, I think they're one with each other. And I guess physics is a study that I guess offers an explanation for observable nature and our surroundings. And philosophy sort of ties into that in that mm-hmm. we're the only species that that recognizes physics and recognizes that truth deeper than ourselves. And just that aspect of being human and and tying like our creativity and our questions into something as profound as physics is is very philosophical and I think it's cool to think about. Um, and so that's, I guess, what I, I like about the connection between physics and philosophy. Yeah. And, and when I was in, um, when I was in high school, I asked my, my physics teacher, um, who was one of my good mentors to be my reference for the international summer school offered by the perimeter Institute. And I got in, which I was really happy about. And it was a very interesting experience. It was very fun, very like thought provoking. And I think that was the that was the time, that was the, the period of my life where I, I recognized that physics was something different than I originally thought it was. <laughs> Pia will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, like I I was to be honest, to be completely honest, mm-hmm. um, I was a lot further behind in yeah. calculus and math than most of the students there. Yeah. So a lot of the time I was quite confused, but it was still the curiosity and the philosophical side of theoretical physics that yeah. really intrigued me. And that's where I realized that maybe it's philosophy that I'm sort of, my brain's sort of more mm-hmm. leaning towards than the physics and actual mathematical science side of physics. Um, and I think it was then that although I always conflated them, I realized there was a distinction. Yeah. I, I like how you describe it, like how you didn't know the difference between physics and philosophy. The the way I kind of see it is kind of like philosophy asks the question why, whereas physics, uh, you know, more answers the questions how and what and where kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So they are very similar. You know, there's, um, if you if you learn some general relativity, there's this philosopher named Mach, and he came up with this Mach's bucket as a way of, um, you know, as a way of, it was a thought experiment of, like, what would happen if you put, like, a, a bucket filled with this fluid and it was rotating in space? Oh, know? yeah, I've heard of that. Right? So that was yeah. something that Einstein used in his theory of general relativity as a way to correct Newton. So f- physics and philosophy are, like, so closely related. And I'm sure, like, at Perimeter Institute, if, or if you didn't, maybe in the future you'll see, like, right now with like quantum mechanics and quantum theory and how that's, you know, there's still questions on how to combine that with classical physics. You know, that battle is, uh, you know, being fought on uh, the philosophy grounds. uh, You know, half of that battle at least where it's like, they still don't know kind of how to describe the math that we're writing down. So it's funny how you say that you're a bit behind on the math. Well, physics is a lot behind in the philosophy, to be honest. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you kind of described already kind of like what drove you to philosophy, right? Like philosophy, I think, is more argumentative and proof-based almost, which is actually like really based in math, whereas physics is more, you know, problem-solving and, and whatnot, right? Yeah, exactly. Can you talk about maybe your favorite mentors in physics and philosophy? 
Yeah, um, I guess this dates back to grade 11, which wasn't that long ago. Um, and my physics teacher, Bruce Dickey, and my biology teacher, Paula Pogard, were my first, I guess, mentors of high school. Like, they were with me from day one. They were also my cross-country coaches. Um, so I saw them all the time. They were my parents, pretty much. Um, <laughs> And I always, they were the ones who I started showing my book to. I stayed hours after school talking to about mm -hmm. philosophy and physics and just the human brain and just like very renaissance topics. Like mm -hmm. I never left the school. And so they were, they were the first people that I sort of had on my team mm -hmm. um, who were cheering me on with my book. Mm -hmm. And they were also um, two of the four dedications for my book. Mm -hmm. and and um i'd also like to mention my principal grant gay he was he's a very smart man he's a theologian he's a scientist he's he's brilliant and i sort of developed a relationship with him when i was exploring my faith and sort of finding god and finding where do i stand on the religious spectrum because i was always i was always unsure of that and I guess he was he was the one who sort of mentored me and helped me to find where I where I stand with my faith. Oh, that's that's pretty amazing considering uh you know, that can be a pretty touchy subject, I think. So yeah. that's uh that's nice that he guided you in that way. Yeah. Um, what about what what's in this what's in store for the future for Mackenzie? Um Honestly, my goal <laughs> My goal is to become a professor, actually. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to be a physics professor, but the past little while I realized I want to become a philosophy or theology professor. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually have a mentor right now, um, Dennis Lamoureux, who's a very popular um, theologian and science and religion um, science and religion speaker. Um, he's my professor for science and religion, and I actually want to follow his footsteps and become a professor of science and religion, mm -hmm. which integrates, I guess, science and physics with philosophy and theology. And that'd be my dream job, to be completely honest. And I hope that maybe 10 years down the road or 10, 10 or 12, I can get there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a long road. All right. Yeah. Well, before we uh, talk about where everyone can find the book, um, you kind of, you mentioned your mentors kind of on a more high school level. What about your mentors in terms of like, you know, people you've looked up to that are, you know, great physicists or great philosophers? Um, more mainstream. I think the first book I, I read, I think it was called, or the first science book I read mm -hmm. was Black Holes and Baby Universes. I think that's what it was called by Stephen Hawking. <laughs> nice. And I was <laughs> quite young at the time. Yeah. And I remember just staying up at night <laughs> under my covers with a flashlight reading that book. And that's completely real. Like I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was obsessed with that book. And I bookmarked like every second page. And I guess Stephen Hawking was the first physicist mm -hmm. that I looked up to. And sort of got me thinking about black holes and cosmology and the evolution of our universe. And that mm -hmm. was where it started, I guess. That's amazing. Uh, 
<laughs> it's funny that you say that because, you know, when I was a little, I don't know, 10-year-old reading A Brief History of Time, I sent an email to Stephen Hawking. And, really? Uh, yeah, he never emailed me back. I had I had this uh, I had the theory at, at age ten, and it was probably completely wrong. Maybe you no, know, it was definitely completely wrong. But he was um, yeah, you, you know that that's a good mentor to have. Uh, that's funny. All right, uh, tell everyone where they can find the book. Um, it's sold actually on Amazon, Indigo, Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, lots lots of um online online website bookstores mm-hmm. but you can find the link to buy it on my website actually which is author mm-hmm. and there's a link directly on there which will lead you to places you can buy the book yeah and of course i'll link that in the notes of the podcast for sure yeah all right uh thanks for joining me Mackenzie. any last words before we sign off um i don't think so but thank you for having me awesome it was a pleasure All right, thanks everyone for listening to the Eli Kavan podcast. Uh, I'll see you guys later.